Welcome to the Essay for FAs podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest to financial advisors and active investors, including retirement planning, asset allocation, and the economy. I am your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and today's podcast reflects on the dilemma of having money to invest while lacking enthusiasm about the existing options. A reader posted an interesting question on an article I wrote yesterday about what to do with extra funds to invest, wondering if a certain type of annuity product with upside capture and no withdrawal penalties might be a clever way to maintain his risk profile, bide his time, and re-enter the market when valuations are more favorable. Well, my primary advice is to not take my or anybody else's advice, but rather speak with a professional. These products are complex. Purchases are generally irreversible, and there are numerous other considerations, including tax considerations, all of which bear on the commenter's unique situation. For example, his risk profile differs from others, as do his age, health, family makeup, legacy goals, assets, consumption patterns, etc., etc. That said, his idea is certainly intriguing, so I thought I'd comment in general terms on the problem of having funds to invest, but not much of interest in which to invest. In other words, I'm amplifying on yesterday's article in which I thought value investments might play a role. Now, to be absolutely clear, I explicitly mentioned we're dealing with a situation in which the investor has too much cash. That amount varies for different people. For me, it amounts to about a third of one's assets. In other words, I see tremendous benefit in always having the liquidity and optionality that cash offers. But I also believe people should have skin in the game. If you don't take investment risk, you're not likely going to get the portfolio growth that all but the extremely wealthy require. Value index funds are often just S&P 500 indexes with value flavoring, tracking the general market more or less. Hence, I suggested that finding a manager with a track record of uncovering value could be a plausible move for someone who is cash-rich but growth-poor. But our questioner's comment got me thinking that the sort of approach he outlined, or a modification thereof, could also be quite plausible. Here's what I mean. I'll take myself as an example. My preferred allocation target is a portfolio of stocks, real estate, and cash equally divided in thirds. Let's say a hypothetical investor who shared the same preference needed to rebalance. His portfolio is now over 50% cash. However, he surveys the market and concludes that stocks and real estate are overvalued. Sure, he could continue to stockpile cash on the assumption that the markets will correct imminently, but many investors have been expecting this correction now for the better part of a decade and have lost a lot of portfolio growth as a result. Thus, on principle, he wants to lower his current cash levels. Let's further stipulate that our hypothetical investor is saving for retirement and also wants to leave a legacy. He wants to lower his risk at the time of initial withdrawals and re-risk his portfolio for future growth. In other words, he really wants the asset allocation of his final years to look like his current equal-weighted portfolio today. He observes that just about every gauge of stock and real estate values are at or near historic highs, and he does not expect to receive the same risk premia in the coming decade as we've seen in the past one. Perhaps then this investor might consider purchasing some of the cash he'll require in the future with, to cite one example, a deferred income annuity. These products can pay more than regular income annuities because they don't kick in until a preset future date. They can pay more than long-term bonds because their payout reflects not just bond yields, but also mortality credits. 
In other words, the insurance company can afford to pay more to their living customers because of the many to whom their contractual obligations have ended. Our hypothetical investor hopes to be one of those who will live to an old age, and therefore to serenely invest with the knowledge he will enjoy an income stream that kicks in at a preset age. There are a zillion ways to slice and dice this concept. Do I take the income at age 65? Do I take it at age 85? Is it life contingent or period certain? Do I purchase an inflation rider? And of course, what percentage of my portfolio will I allocate to this income stream? For that, every investor requires customized advice, but it is certainly sensible and prudent for our commenter to look past a day when the stock market offers double-digit returns year in and year out. Thanks for listening. You can contact me at gill at seekingalpha.com if you have feedback or requests, and make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts.